The following may contain inappropriate language. All opinions expressed by the host and guests do not reflect the views of any company or service. This is Radio Havana, Cuba. This is Radio Pinyang of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. This is Moscow. Everybody, it's time once again for another crazy talk. That's right. Another crazy talk with yours truly, Doc Normal. It is uh, November 22nd, 2009. I hope it's November 22nd, 2009. The Doc hasn't had a lot of time to uh, worry about the details and um but that said uh, i believe it's episode 11 again not a whole lot of time to worry about the details tonight i'm gonna plug into uh my other feed here so i don't have the uh slap back uh you don't know what that means what that means is essentially i have my headphones plugged into something that uh sounds like turn your radio down but uh I've learned how to deal with it. Um, so what are we doing tonight? It's uh, crazy talk. It's Sunday night. Uh, I've got my uh, jacket on. I've got the uh, fedora on. Uh, I have my pipe. I think we're going to be talking more about media and journalism. That's what we do. We talk about the media. We talk about journalism. We talk about what we... I don't know. I think the topics that are hot the front plate of the mind so to speak maybe the appetizer maybe the main course but definitely we don't talk about the dessert uh and with that have i mentioned sunday night's a little wonky let me tell you about my week folks before we get started because i know you care and i know it's important the doc's been a little busy and I don't want sympathy. I don't want to whine. I just want to tell you, the doc's been making the media. He's been making it and making it and making it this week. Uh, we've got the crazy talks that we've been doing for November, uh, having a good time, uh, loving the show. Uh, this is my experiment. It's me. It's I'm enjoying it. Uh, we have the uh, the meme PDX, and then we have the thirty hour day, which uh, you know that's that's taken off like crazy it's going to be interesting and then we have meme pdx did i mention meme pdx and then there's a little thing called ignite ignite portland a big big event and uh it's a cool thing uh it's in its seventh iteration ignite portland was on thursday and uh they asked the doc to go stream that and and we did that and i just got the videos posted up this morning uh, big event, uh, twenty some odd speakers, uh, wonderful stuff, and it's put on by the Legion of Tech. It's a worthy nonprofit kind of a thing. Uh, it's free. It's awesome at the Baghdad Theater. So went there, went with the cameras, went with the gear. We did that Friday night. 
Strange Love Live, Brian Westbrook, and a new CDN, which didn't work. But we're going to fix that. We've got it fixed, actually. So we're doing some stuff in the back end to create like a nice private streaming experience for you. We're doing this on Ustream tonight because I didn't want to change things up. Uh, maybe we'll stick with that. But uh, if you notice, SLL is going to go in a different direction with some really nice chat and some really nice uh, uh, streaming that doesn't have commercials popping up at you all the time. Okay? And then uh, we did some stuff for for kind of a, a someone we're working with uh, to create some uh, media for them as well on the web. Great group of people, sporting kind of thing. And here we are, crazy talk. And I've just wasted four minutes 50. So in between that time, blogs are posted, events happen. We make the media happen this Saturday. I would have loved to have gone to observe, but I couldn't because I was busy making the media. Um, but I watched the tweet stream as I was uh, working and editing and some interesting things. There's been several blog posts that I have on my screen. I haven't gotten to any of them yet. I I really want to read all of them. Uh, maybe we can kind of look at those. But uh, it was an interesting event based on the tweet stream. Journalism, we had Abraham Hyatt on on Wednesday to talk about We Make the Media, uh, the aftermath of We Make the Media. The guy we're going to bring in right now, Will Raddick, he was tweeting. He makes the media. We make the media. I make the media. You make the media. Let's talk about making the media. And I'm not just talking about making the media, but about the journalism as well. So I'm going to bring him in right now. A good friend of, of the show, the uh, pontificator of podcasting, the guy, uh, just the, the, the karmic influence of KJing. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring in Will Raddick. Will, are you there? Hello, Will. All right. <laughs> Heard a good joke. How about now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. That's, That's okay. weird. Uh, I, I had to disconnect my mixer and hook my regular uh, microphone up. You did say you were going to patch in your mixer right before uh, I went live, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I screwed up somehow. Uh, that's that's a good note, uh, a good learning experience for me as a podcast host is when they say, hey, I'm just going to patch in the mixer before you go live. Uh, maybe I should go, you know, do the uh, do the uh, Shatner con. No! Kai! That was such a sparkling introduction to not show up right away, too. Also, I know. I, that was, that Should we was, just, uh, you know, I could just shut this whole thing down, go back to the <laughs> intro, and uh, restart the whole thing. Uh, can, can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, no, we've got people listening, right? Yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. So uh Okay. Oh man. I think I know what's going on. Yeah, let's 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 not make any changes right now, Will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can do it's that on like your that. own podcast. I, I get uh I get um something's wrong and I'm like, I could fix this. Let me tinker with it and then I get distracted. So that's my ADD. Sorry about that. Right, man. Okay, so Will, uh <laughs> when did you move to Portland? 
Oh, uh, let's see here. About a year and a half. I want to say it's a year and a half now. Yeah, it was uh, May of 2008. So somewhere around the time that uh, I started podcasting, that we launched Strange Love Live and all these wonderful things, which has been about two years two years now. We started uh, actually in November and then, uh, and then uh, went regular episodes in uh, February, I think it was. Yeah, uh, I want to say you guys had about uh, maybe 12 episodes when I first started listening to you. Yeah, yeah. And I went out uh, and I went looking for podcasters. Not, I mean, I'd been listening to podcasters for a long time, but like local people. Like, okay, so who are my podcasters in Portland? Who are my, you know, my comrades? And, right. Uh, Which is exactly how I found your show. Or either that <laughs> or through, through Twitter or maybe both. Uh, yeah. Didn't find a whole lot. Didn't find a whole lot. But. I did come upon this one real Will Raddick of the Erraticast. And so I was like, <laughs> I got to check this guy out. He's in Portland. And I found out you're actually a transplant. You'd come from San Francisco, right? Yeah, I'm one of those Californians. Yeah, but you're from San Francisco, Northern California. It's That makes you cool. You I, like, cool. I, like, I like my Californian origins. I'm proud of it. You know what you do? When anyone ever questions you, you just go, yeah, I remember when I was hanging out with Ev and Biz, and they were hacking on Twitter on their laptops, and I was having <laughs> a mint julep, and you know, and they were, ooh, hey, dude, ooh, you know. <laughs> I never bet <met> them. <laughs> yeah, but who cares? We don't know that in Portland. It's just Portland, I got with Scott man. Beale a couple times, though. He's awesome. Really? All right. Yeah, laughing squid, yeah. He rocks. He has these little uh, uh, tweet or uh, tweet up things. Um, I think he's still doing it, but he he first started it when I just before I left, and uh, he just uh, pretty much invites a bunch of people down to a bar and buys them beer. <laughs> right. So he he's awesome. <laughs> so so I ran into you, and I I saw these all these eraticasts actually, uh, many of which had like a maybe almost a year's worth that you had recorded in San Francisco. Yeah, about that. Uh, and I, you know, um, at certain times was more prolific than others. I, uh, I think I named the show well in that I'll, I would do some some weeks up to four shows, and then other weeks uh, none at all. Uh, at some points, there were month long hiatuses. I think I've done two or three shows since I first moved here. So that shows you just how <laughs> how much Eraticast has been. Uh, how active it's been. And just recently I just did a show and I'm trying to get back into it, but I did, uh, I did my, uh, show my my most recent show. And I said, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this every day for not Pomo. I was like, I'm really going to try not what Pomo this time. I'm totally going to do the national podcast post post month thing. I could do it. And then, uh, then I posted one episode called it, uh, now pod Pomo one. And <laughs> it's still sitting there. The last one that I posted, um, that yeah, was I got two it. Weeks ago. <laughs> I got it downloaded right here. So, uh, yeah, and you do you do a lot of uh, do you do you do a lot of post right in your shows because uh, a, a lot of your I mean they were well you know well produced. I mean you have like you know your little uh, you know music interludes, background music, all kinds of stuff, and and you use a lot of sound. You know, you you actually get in there and do the audacity and do some sound editing. Oh yeah, I love that stuff. Um, 
Who, who was your guest you had on the other day who was talking about how he, uh, what was his name again? That was uh, Luke Leffler of Broken yeah. Hours, and he's exactly the guy I'm, I'm thinking of as well, between you you and uh, Luke. Luke, uh, uh, I love both you guys. I mean, I, I love sound designers, and you are a sound designer. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Luke. I'm terrible with names. But yeah, I, I, when he was talking about, uh, you know, as a kid playing around with tape recorders and stuff like that, uh, man, I used to love that stuff. I used to do that. You know, my sister and my friends and I used to just make little little radio shows with a, one of those, uh, t- you know, tape recorders. We're just lugging the thing around, and they're huge <laughs> for a kid. But, you know, uh, adding our own little commercials and everything. We couldn't edit because we were just basically, our, our editing was limited to stop, play, and pause, and you know, fast forward and rewind. We, so we did a little little bit of editing here and there, like where we could go back and record over, but mostly it was just like, hey, let's, let's, let's make up this commercial on the fly. Hey, cool. This is funny. And you did a, a, a bunch of uh, theater sound design and stuff in San Francisco, right, if I recall? Yeah, I had some experience with that. I um, Well, I used to go to uh, the theater down there called The Dark Room, and uh, I started going there for Bad Movie Night, cause they had, which is also part of the inspiration for um, the thing I'm doing now, but the Seventh Planet Picture Show. But I also uh, got into their live theater there because uh, I made friends with some of the people there, and the owner uh, needed someone who knew about sound, and he hired me to do... Uh, w- the first thing I worked on there was a uh, live theater production an adaptation of the Ten Commandments. Nice. So <laughs> they took a well. It was basically, I think it's like a what is it, like a two and a half hour long epic film, maybe longer, and uh, really, really dry Charlton Heston film. Made it into a forty-five uh, minute comedy. Did anyone so, wear a red diaper like Sean Connery did in that uh, one particular film? And I can't remember uh, what it is. You know, actually. Um, uh, Zardoz, you're talking about. Zardoz, yes. Yes, there was one point when the the main character, I think, I think the actor's name was uh, Damien Chicota, uh, played Moses. He he actually did wear something like very disturbing. Uh, uh, just before he got into a kung fu fight with some uh, bed, like Bedouin raiders or something. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> any, anybody who needs to know, just just uh, go into the Google uh, uh, image search and and type in Zardoz and. <laughs> a- he's fantastic actually he's really funny uh no uh, damien is he he came up here with uh, a theater troupe and did a production here that had been really successful in san francisco so somebody here might have seen it at the sunday lounge i think last year or the year before that they did a, a production called um curse of the goddamn ship and i didn't get to go see it and i really wanted to because that guy is hilarious but yeah the guy who played he, he really had his charlton heston down he was just like nice. he would uh Say his name in the third person. I was like Moses. <laughs> he was awesome. Nice, nice. And right now you're you're doing a little KJ work, right? Yes, I uh, I work at this is my my main source of income is chopsticks. Uh, I work at the one on Burnside and the one on uh, MLK in Columbia. So I work at the one on Burnside on Tuesdays and the one in MLK in Columbia on Wednesday nights and. Um, that's that's a it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, it is it is my primary job. I mean, it's where I get my money basically. But uh, I do enjoy it. There, there's some nights where it feels like a job, uh, but there are many nights where you know it's a great thing to be there and uh, watch people have a good time. You know, it just depends on the crowd, really. That, that's the, that's what makes the night. Some nights you'll have a bunch of douchebags <laughs> who are you know making you miserable, uh, actively trying to, 
and some nights you'll have a really great fun crowd. So it's uh, and um, it's awesome. Just because I'm just you know taking us around the world in the life of uh, Will Raddick, I want you to uh, to plug uh, the Seven Planet Picture Show coming up as well. Why don't you tell us about <laughs> I, that? Let's get all your I plugs in up front crap. before we get down to the real issues. If you wanted to, I, I spread myself way too thin. If you want to talk about all the things I did, it would take forever. <laughs> Let's see. Um, well, Seventh Planet Show is uh, Seventh Planet Picture Show is going to be. Actually, we're going to have a show this Sunday. I'm going to have uh, Robert Wagner and uh, Tara Dublin with me, and we're going to watch. Uh, we're going to watch the El Santo versus the Monsters, <laughs> which is a. Uh, um, uh, uh, there was a very popular Mexican uh, luchador in Mexico uh, in the 50s, and they let him start making movies, and uh, they ended up making like 30 of them or so. And I think toward the middle of the 60s, they were starting to run out of plots, so he starts fighting monsters and all this other weird stuff. Like uh, It's very goofy. I love it. But anyway, um, that's the, the Seventh Planet Picture Show is basically we watch these uh, psychotronic films, these uh, campy goofy films and um, make fun of them. And, you know, kind of like Mystery Science Theater, but um, it's also, I, I like to approach it a little bit differently because uh, I don't really necessarily, now in some cases the film is cut and dry bad film, but I don't necessarily try to approach it as a bad film all the time because I do actually love these movies. I mean, a lot of them are horrible movies and would never be considered by the standard of mainstream or, or whatever. Not mainstream, but your, your, your average idea of a good movie would not be considered good, but I consider them good for different reasons. Um, there are things in the production that are amazing that you don't see in regular movies. There are um, just certain weird moments that you would never find in other movies, and that's what uh, really drives my interest in them, and that's the kind of thing that I try to point out Sometimes, so sometimes it's not just saying, "Oh, look at this shitty movie, haha, it's funny." Uh, sometimes it's like, well, pointing out something that the movie has that's funny about itself that somebody wouldn't have noticed necessarily. And it's not something I did; it's something that was just there, and I'm just trying to help I, people see it. I think that almost defines uh, Hong Kong films. I mean, uh, if you if you really study like the Hong Kong films, Chinese cinema, um, even like the stuff like John Woo and guys like that. You really look uh, at their 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 films. There's just an interesting the 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 beauty of what they do and what I really like about cinema outside of Hollywood and the in the U.S. in general is uh, you just might take a left turn halfway through the movie. And, oh yeah, you know, and it's just like you know, yeah. So Spielberg can do it with Indiana Jones, and it's stupid, but these guys can pull it off. I mean, it's really like, you know, you're like, what in the heck? Where? What? Alien? What? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I yeah. don't know how many, I don't know how many times that guy got shot in the killer before he yeah. died. But I <laughs> wager to think it's about 300. <laughs> that's, well, that's a, that's a loaded number right there because. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I and mean, you're talking about another psychotronic film there, 300. Yeah, that's that's like a that's like a current psychotronic film. There we go. I mean, I, I'm just saying that uh, there, there's a lot of great cinema and a lot of things that, uh, you know, I mean, the uh, my my worst. You're, you're talking about bad movies. My worst mm. cinematic experience is to go to a movie 
and sit there and go, okay, now this guy's going to go in here. Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's his friend and that guy. And and it's just everything's so obvious in the plot that I walk <laughs> See, out and I go, that was fun. You know, I that's like seventy-five percent of the movies I see. I can pretty much, I could pretty much just sketch the whole plot for you by the time I'm halfway through the movie. But I think that's part of the fun. For it, it works into my fun because that that just makes it easier for me to come up with things to say about it, or uh, if I'm thinking about them in my head, like I'm watching it for the first time. Because usually I don't do these commentaries after seeing it for the first time. It usually right. takes. It's usually better to do it after a second time watching it at least, because I find that the first time you watch a movie your brain is sort of uh, working out the novelty of it and kind of uh, um, putting everything in its place. And then you watch it the second time and your memory has uh, already seen these things. So it's not necessarily focusing on taking in what's happening as it is uh, reinterpreting it. And uh, then that's when you can really, when, when things really come to me is when I watch it for the second right. time. So, right. Uh, but but if you if you have uh, if you're not busy wondering what's going to go on with the plot if you already have it all laid out then it, it gives you more time to uh, sit there and play with it in your head which is what I do when I'm watching movies that's how I can tolerate to sit here and watch all these really bad movies. Well, but my point is some of these bad movies just will take plot turns on their own the first time you see them that just they're surprising you just you're like really <laughs> wow do you mean like a twist yes like big and I think it's probably part due to like budget and we're not going to say his name are we i know i know i know what there's an elephant in the room right now ah yeah is it uh, okay the m night Shyamalan we were talking about uh, well, the signs or, or the i don't know um, i was thinking more the of village yeah i don't know about that <laughs> that will see i think he popularized uh you know in our in our current uh cinema or at least at least for the past you know 10 years or so that that kind of twist thing uh, for a little while after the Sixth Sense was uh, pretty pretty hot, and yeah. I think we can blame him for that. Because yeah, but uh, yeah, but but then again, then with his problem is that then it became formula, right? I mean, as soon as you start bringing the aliens in your work, that's what, and I, by <laughs> aliens I mean extraterrestrial folks. Um, <laughs> I'm not talking Lone Star here. Uh, uh, you know, as soon as you do that in your work. It's pretty much go buy the hotels and retire, you know. You see, now <laughs> you the say vacation Lone Star and I think about Spaceballs. Oh yeah, no, Lone Star was <laughs> a um, great film. Uh, by yeah, uh, I don't know if I've seen that one. Can't remember his name. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I can't remember right now. But only one man would dare to give me the raspberry. Yeah, Lone Star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. But I don't know. We we could talk all night about movies. I think and and oh, yeah. and that's really I think I kind of don't want to do that. I'm not prepared. We don't have the IMDb fired up. Uh, I think we did that. If you wanna if you wanna check out a good discussion on that, go check out Strange Love Live After Hours with Will Raddick and uh, Bobby Fatboy Roberts. Uh, um, we we get into a lot of interesting cinematic sort of discussion there. Um, we did trail off a little bit here, didn't we? Um, oh yeah, yeah just to, to sort of finish up the Seventh Planet thing. Yeah, so this Sunday at eight o'clock at the uh, Mount Tabor Theater, which is um, yeah, thank you. Forty-eight, uh, I think it's forty-eight eleven Southeast Hawthorne, and that's uh, that'll be Sunday at eight p.m. So uh, come out and check it out. We we usually show funny clips for about half an hour after eight, and then show the movie at eight thirty. Awesome. Uh, there's a bar at the back of the theater. It's free. Uh, I do take the donations. The bar is but free. Wait a minute. The bar is free. 
Yeah, the bar's free. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you got people lining up around the theater, down the block. Yeah, that was that would be a hell of a thing. I w- I would totally go for that. I'd I'd wait in line to get into my own event for that. Yeah, I mean Ignite is free, and they pack that house at the Baghdad. And I tell you, the bar ain't free. But boy, if that if it was, they they'd they'd have to sell tickets. <laughs> they'd have to be like uh, they'd have to have guards with guns at the door to keep people out of there. Then that's right. <laughs> So let's talk Unless, about- of course, they schedule on the same night as uh, Backfence. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what happened. Yeah, that, that was. Yeah, that was that was uh, out of the organizer's control, actually. I yeah, think. yeah, it yeah. Was, it, it was it, not it not the fault of uh, of uh, Backfence or Legion of Tech. I'm just poking, 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 yeah, poking a little fun. <laughs> more the fault of some venues, but but those venues are good to them. So. Let's talk about the news, shall we? Let's talk about media. Now, uh, Let's do it. you've uh, you were interning for Blogtown, is that correct? For for the Mercury, yeah. So uh, Blogtown is the Mercury, Mercury, Mercury for Blog the, the entire summer, yeah. And uh, tell me about your experiences there. Just your takeaways from uh, interning at Blogtown. What it's like to, uh, and I would say. Should we say that Blogtown's probably arguably one of the, you know, Mercury is a newspaper, is an independent Portland newspaper, and Blogtown is their blog, and I would say that that's probably one the, if not the most successful, one of the most successful newspaper blog outlets in Portland. I mean, absolutely, it's not Oregon Live. Well, I don't even know what that that's all about. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> yeah. Uh, people actually go to Blogtown and, and read it and comment mm-hmm. uh, intelligently or not. Um, I don't really understand what's going on when I go to Oregon Live. There's just so much crap going on on that page. I just open it up and I'm like, whoa! I, over, well, I can't. Later, I'm, I, just close, I just close it up and run yeah. away in terror. Yeah, we, and we've covered this in the past uh, on many <laughs> occasions. And it's the same thing with your, your news outlet. you know. And they redesign the page and it's like, you know, there's uh, 20 million links, and you're like, "Come on!" You know, has a usability person gotten in here to to fix this or what? You know, it's like Yahoo in 1997. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so tell no. us a, tell us a little bit about Blogtown, your experiences there, um, your experiences working in journalism. Well. Um... What I did was <laughs> this was this whole thing was it kind of started as a lark. I mean, I was I was uh, a, a big fan of of Blogtown and uh, and the Mercury, so I would hang out in in the uh, Blogtown comments, just post all the time, and uh, talk to them on Twitter a little bit. And then you know, I, every once in a while they'd ask for interns, and I saw that they were asking for interns uh, before the summer, and I said, "Hey, what the hell? You know, I, it'll, it'll be funny. I'll send in a, I'll, send, I'll email in an application, and hey, if if it did happen, that'd be cool. But mostly, it's just you know a joke." And so I sent in, <laughs> I sent in an email to uh, to Marjorie Skinner, who's the managing editor there, and uh, basically what I sent her was. Um, a, an email that said, I'm not going to give you a resume because the most impressive thing on it would be that I graduated high school. 
because uh, my well, my work history is just less than impressive. Uh, most of the things I've done have been off the radar and not on paper. So um, I, I, I pretty much sent her a resume that said that, and then I said, you know, I can pretty much do anything. All I need to do is uh, you know, give me a second to learn it, and I can do it. And I'm pretty good at uh, writing and stuff like that. So um, writing, I'm pretty good at writing and stuff like that. So <laughs> so yeah. And then I sent a link. And I said, here, check this out. There's also this, and I sent her a link to uh, the video I made, the hamburger for breakfast video. I don't know if you saw that, but, uh, I've seen the uh, cheese sandwich <laughs> video. There was, a, I made a, I made it what I called it. I, I called it a nano musical and I, it's on YouTube actually under my account, a uh, W Radic. And I made, that's W R A D I K. I made a video where I was, I had, I had just woken up and it was like 3 PM and I was uh, holding up some frozen package of hamburger and singing about how I was going to eat it. And it just, <laughs> I just run my webcam, you know, on my MacBook Pro, and just like, yeah, I'm, hey, what, what I'm gonna eat for breakfast? I'm gonna have a hamburger for breakfast. Ooh. And and, and, and uh, Will, this is how you got a job as a journalist well, on a leading paid. blog <laughs> in a major <laughs> market internship. But yeah, I, I uh, yeah, so well, I, yeah, I sent that in, and uh, this gives me hope. I don't know this. Gives- <laughs> Well, you know, there's more to it than that, of course. You know, uh, actually, what happened was, uh, I, I think, I think uh, Marjorie thought it was totally ridiculous because she sent me an email back. She said, "Oh, thanks for that. Uh, we'll get in touch with you." And then she went on vacation, and then Allison was in charge of hiring the interns. So, uh, <laughs> Hallett, I think, uh, pretty much was responsible. So you got for the hiring. job because it was a clerical mistake. Well, no, well, because no, because uh, the person who was who was gonna be hiring the interns went on vacation, and then Allison Hallett took over, and she followed me on Twitter, and I think she was like, "Hey, cool." <laughs> I think she might have even caught some flack for it later. I don't know, but because I, I, at first I wasn't the uh, the best intern. I can I I uh, have a problem with keeping my schedule uh, at the same time day and time. You know, like I woke up, for example, an hour ago. <laughs> Right. So I, I kind of like it, it's my my body clock's on a twenty eight hour day. So I wake up later and go to bed later every day. And if I don't do that, then I kind of get uh, really cranky and uncomfortable. But yeah, so I I got the internship because of that, <laughs> and uh, it was it was actually it was fantastic. I had a great time. Well, let, uh, let, let's give a, you a little was, credit. You you do you know reg, you know you do post your blog. I'm not going to say regularly, but but you do uh, do a lot of blog posts, and and you are a blogger and a podcaster. So every once in a while, I get a fire under my ass, and I start doing yeah. things, and then uh, and then I get, and then I want to do something else. So it's not really. I'm always doing something, but uh, like lately, my thing has been um, network administration. Like at my house, I've been like learning about all these things about networking and about Unix. About Linux that I never knew, and it's, it's been right. a lot of fun. But yeah, I um, so yeah, I got the the thing at the Mercury, and uh, it was it was great because it was um, it was just it was, well for for one thing, um, I'm a huge fan of of William Stephen Humphrey. Like he is, he is hilarious, and uh, he's one of the first people I noticed when I moved here when I started reading the Mercury, and I didn't know who he was at all, and I had seen. A video that he posted to Blogtown, and it was like, uh, it was. <laughs> I think the first one I, I said I noticed was these girls being upset because their their favorite on American Idol lost, and they just freak out and go into total histrionics, and uh, 
<laughs> and just have a complete fit, like these four middle school girls just trying to outdo each other about how mad they are that, uh, what's his name? I don't know, the guy, this was last year, so whoever the hell was on American Idol last year who was the second finalist didn't make it. And, um, and I thought that was that was just so funny. And then he's posting all these other videos, you know, which are right up my alley because I'm into uh, the whole like uh, psychotronic, like weird stuff and uh, like cultural kind of anomalies. You know, these old '80s videos are like like the videos, like kind of like public service videos that came out after uh, just after rap had broken as a as a mainstream thing, and you had all these like white people running around like, "Yo, my name's Jim B, and I'm here to say like, don't start a fire in the woods today or some shit like that." You know what I mean? Like that kind of. There's a lot of that out there, and so yeah, he's posting this kind of stuff. Like, damn, this guy is hilarious, and I gotta I, I gotta read this uh, blog more. And that's kind of like what really got me into reading the Mercury, and then I started to get to know, you know, all the other writers there and what they were doing, and, and then I started to really get familiar with the local politics and uh, what's going on with the city councils, you know, and the whole, like, um, the mayoral scandal, and then I started getting to know, like, you know, who Randy Leonard is and all that other stuff, and uh, because, you know, I was new, so I didn't know any of that, and uh, I think that, that, that in itself, the city council in itself is a hell of a show, man, like, just following the news on that is entertaining as hell, and, uh, you know, Matt Davis does a great job of making it even more entertaining. But <laughs> and uh, and Sarah Marcus is uh, is a is a reporter there too, and she's uh, she's like uh, works under him because she he's the editor and she's a reporter there. But um, she's she's an awesome too as far as her reporting on. She says she she says some hilarious things about uh, about what's going on in town too. So so and there was a little dust up at We Make the Media on Saturday, which was this journalism. Uh, um, and actually, I'm I'm going to bring Abraham Hyatt in now. He's actually just a perfect timing. Um, Abraham, are you there? I am. Okay. Jeez, I can't I can't seem to conference you two in, and and Will's a little bit fuzzy. So, uh, what I wanted to talk about is uh, we make the media, and I'm I guess I'm just going to kind of pop back and forth between you guys. Um. So, what's the rundown? What happened at We Make the Media? Uh, um. Uh, quickly. Yeah. Um. Uh, give it to yeah, us in uh, well. Quick chunk. In, a, in, in a quick summary, it was a very intense day. Um, it was a very exhausting day. I think a uh, a good number of people really walked away feeling um like that they had been able to really explore some interesting ideas and the viability of those ideas. I think other people walked away very frustrated um, by sort of the limited nature of, of what was going on that day um, and sort of the huge technological gap that existed between a lot of people uh, in, that, uh, in that room. So good and bad. So what's the outcome? So so some people enjoyed it uh and others did not. I mean as far as I mean so looking at the tweet stream it seemed like a disaster. And and that was from this poor contingent of people who were actually using Twitter who were um, I think a lot of people felt extremely um I don't want to say ostracized, but I just want to say that they felt completely left out of the rest 
of what was happening. Um, the the group of people using Twitter were back in the corner of the room, which was just logistically part of it. They, that's where the some of the power cords were, and the and the audience as a whole. There was a good number of people who were very tech savvy. Who, um, but the MC and some of the main organizers um, really seemed to have an archaic idea of the role technology should be playing when we look at whatever thing we're trying to build in this conference environment. But that's that's a little tough when you it's called something we make the media first. You know, I got to ask you yeah. I have been having a problem with this and and I think I tweeted this out earlier. Um we make the media. Um I, I sent a tweet about this. I don't think journalists make the media. I'm sorry. Stuff happens, and journalists report on what happens. Making the media—I mean, that's that's Hollywood, and that's television, and that's other things. Do I have that wrong? Well, I think that the name was—I I think you're right. I think the name was more specific in terms of we make the tools that we're going to use for journalism in the future. That was the idea of the name, not necessarily media as in the broad, a broader definition like you're using. Um, so it's more of the tools. That's Hello? Hello, Will. I, we got you back. Thank God. Can you hear me? I can. I can. And we've got awesome. Abraham as well. Hello? I might sound a little better. I actually managed to run the... Uh... Yeah, stuff through my mixer. I'm not too loud, am I? Will's making the media right now as we speak on the podcast by <laughs> plugging things in and out and experimenting. Oh, but that's I, what we do here. We experiment. That's how we things in and out make the media. No time for the old in out. Love just came to read the meter. <laughs> so, Will, Will, you were watching the tweet stream uh, for we make the media, right? Yes. Oh, hi, Abraham. Hi. How are you? And. And any feeling you you seem to have a couple strong feelings or some ideas about that, dude. Do you have a question about what happened there? I mean, obviously we, both of us didn't attend, but um, it's definitely curious. And 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 we were just Abraham before we you joined us. We were talking about uh, you know Will Will did some uh, interning at at Blogtown over at uh, the Mercury. I know there was some crazy stuff that was going on with Matt Davis and the Mercury in that in that thing. Were you, did you? What was going on with that? Um, there were a couple people who were really, and I think rightfully so. I, I mean, I'm I'm not going to try and overly defend the conference in one direction or you know skewer it in another direction. I mean, I, I think that they were, like I said, there that was part of a larger group of people, and that and the people who were using Twitter were 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 not just pissed off. They, I think, were were, I don't know, insulted is the right word, you know, I mean, and I think that Matt was definitely one of those people. I loved his tweets. I thought they were really appropriate. I thought they were hilarious. Um, yeah, he was providing a lot of uh, good content there. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, and the tragedy was is that the people who were sort of, you know, on Twitter in that area of the room were not, there was not a way for there to be some kind of a bridge between kind of the rest of the people in the room, because the rest of the room was completely oblivious to what was going on. Um, there was absolutely no clue that the back channel was occurring. Um, 
and it was uh, it was I think due to the sort of old school um, attitude that the organizers, the main organizers, had come into this conference with, you know, which is everyone will sit and we will talk for a while, and then we will all talk in groups and we will make decisions and we will come together, you know. I don't think, you know, a fraction of the room knew the word unconference, uh, and I would bet money on that. So I mean, yeah, and and as was pointed out by uh, by Betsy in the chat room, I mean, people were told to turn their cell phones off, and you know, right in the beginning, right. So it's just kind of staggering. The really, yeah, the, and I think one of the things that really exacerbated it was the MC um, was Joe's a really nice guy. He was so far um, in the opposite direction of of some of the people in that room, you know, Matt, Betsy, any of us back in that corner, that he just came across as laughable um, a lot of times. So, uh, I mean, that's a hell of a gap. It's an enormous gap. You know, I mean, because essentially you've got, again, the people with the journalistic journalism background and... Uh, you know, and the people who, who, I mean, in your terms, make the media. We're here making the media right now. You know, we're, we're streaming. We're, you know, for better or for worse. I'm not saying this is anything, okay? But we have the tools. We have the ability to do it. And we're trying to fill voids that, that we see that aren't being met by, you know, the papers, by television, by radio. And... It's kind of like, you know, when, you, when you've got one group sitting here doing it and another group sitting there writing position papers all the time, and you're like, you know, when, when are those two groups going go to come together? My, my takeaway from it, um, and Will and I were DMing back and forth. There was some back channel going on along with some people who were in at the conference at the time. You know, my conclusion was I'm just going to throw up my hands and do it. You know, I, I'm an action guy. I don't need to sit around with a group of people and tell me, oh, you know, let's talk about OPB funding our, our, our efforts or what's the what's the trade-offs between commercial funding versus institutional funding and crap, whatever, you know? Dot I mean, normal I, action guy. I, I, I understand. Well, right. Well, Will, if you're an action guy. I mean, you know, you're a little erratic about of. your action. But. <laughs> I mean, I don't – okay, I'm not going to – you know, stand up on my, you know, right. well, okay, yeah, I will, actually, I'll get up on a pedestal for, or on a soapbox for a minute and say, you know what, I, you know, uh, Mike, you were involved with it, you know, I put on a conference earlier this year where we made the media, we did the same ideas right. of looking at some of the underpinnings and saying, what can be changed, how can we get better, but the attitude that went into that conference was the fact, was the idea that we are all participants um, in, in a way that that did not happen at the at the We Make the Media conference. That conference was very top down. Let's use some some jargon. Um, but you know, I, and and yeah, I'm going to stand up on uh, on my pedestal and say I think that that the digital journalism camp earlier this year was a far bigger success because of the fact we did not try and save journalism, this <laughs> giant lofty goal, um, but instead looked at it. Um, on a realistic level and said, you know, okay, let's, um, 
you know, let's turn on our cell phones, you know, let's make sure, well, we had limited Wi-Fi access there, which was a yeah, yeah, yeah. an issue in and of itself. Um, but, you know, and let's... And that's not the only conference that has a challenge. The tech yeah, conferences we, have that we've challenge, too. That. Uh, yeah. But, so would you say this is kind of like a problem of getting uh, too many people with uh, from different uh, different areas of uh, this field, different um, time periods, uh, different expectations together, all in one roof, and having a vague goal of uh, what they were going to do? Or it, it was absolutely a lack of direction. I think that if the top people had, and I understand why they went about it the way they did, but you cannot go into a room of 130 people and say, let's democratically come up with a brand new company. That's not how companies work. That's not how successful organizations work. Not There's at strong all. leadership. I, I think there is in some ways, but at some point in time, there has to be a leadership. There has to be someone saying, you know, we're, we're going to do more than just write position papers. You know, right. how do we put, you know, and, and I think that's what that day de devolved into is that, you know, had the leadership, had the, the the top people been, you know, and I, I think that they would have had a much more limited vision, but I think that it would have, that people, you know, the us folks that were in the corner, you know, the Twitter folks, whatever you want to call them, would have seen the conference from the outset and said, okay, that's, that's not really something we're interested in. But to be invited into the conversation and then to find out that you don't even have a place there is just a failure overall. So I, I Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean I think um you know it, it's it's the takeaway it, it's tough because uh you know I, I was thinking about this this morning just and again you know we're we're kind of at a disadvantage uh with the tweet stream. I actually wanted to go but I literally couldn't because I was too too busy. Um and I was told later that it was probably best I didn't go. Uh <laughs> Um, it just just by virtue of the fact that I'm I'm, you know I'm feeling feisty and you know I could say something that might ruffle some feathers I don't know, um but hey we have crazy talk to do that so I have my own forum, um, you mean you have a media outlet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was thinking that part of the problem I'm observing with journalism and and again I'm not. The per, you know, I don't hate journalists. I don't hate journalism. I love it. I I just Those dirty uh, journalists. I want journalism, right? There's there's something that has left me that I want back, and and uh, I just uh, I want it in in the new the new medium that we're we're all using here. And the the thing that struck me is that there's in anything that that evolves over time and. Modern journalism, what is it, Abraham? About a hundred years old, maybe. Modern journalism, give or take, a couple decades. Um, yeah, well, a little less than a hundred years, probably. Yeah. But I, you know, let's say even hundred years, modern journalism, right? A little less. And within that, within the newspapers and the things that grew up in that, in that uh, century, you have a culture, and a very strong ingrained culture. And it is tough to move a culture like that into an entirely new medium. Some things 
in that culture drop away. I mean, you have these people like, and and my take on it was like the whole structure of we make the media, where it was like, you know, we're going to get in groups, we're going to write these position papers or whatever, we're going to talk about grants, we want to talk about the content. We don't. It, it 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 the culture, the medium that journalism is now working in, for better or for worse, is the internet culture, the web culture. And that culture is the culture of startups and technology. That culture is the experimentation, the guys out in the garage, the guys out make it happen or not, being successful or failing. That's the culture that journalism is in today. Yeah. And at the same time, the uh, the mainstream is pretty much abandoning the the whole e- the core ethos of journalism. I think too. Well, uh, yeah, yes. Well, I, I think in the last, well, in my in in the last several years of my lifetime here, in the last uh, decade or so, I, I, w- I would totally agree with that. The commercialization of of news and media and in real time news that, you know, cable news would be a great example of that, but. You know, this is the the medium you're in, and you have this culture that is 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 doesn't work well in that medium. What what I what I think the the people I think who win in journalism in the future of journalism are those people that can grasp, you know, uh, a good good journalism, the good yeah, what do you, what would you call it? You know, the good good practice of journalism. Along with the startup culture of technology, the idea of that. what's that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. You know the the idea that that people are going to jump in and do this. Investigative reporting is is gone today, but the startup culture could could grow investigative journalism again. I mean, well, you know. I mean that that was what this conference was about you know these the the top guys who put this on are you know deeply passionate about their concern in the, in how journalism has changed you know not just print but broadcast as well the loss of you know quality enterprise thoughtful journalism that's not driven by a commercial um you know whatever uh I mean and I I you, you cannot doubt that that was their goal the the question is is and it's exactly like you just pointed out it's it's how you go about doing that and within the culture of journalism there are several different well there's I guess you can really say two different directions there's the old school and there are the people who are looking at it in terms of that journalism is technology you know that you know we have to have a, an agile you know I mean that in the literal sense, you know, the ability to change quickly and to fail and to, you know, to, to have a startup mentality. Um, and you put both of those things in that conference room, which is what happened on, on, over the weekend, and those are the results, I think. So, yeah, and I, I think, you know, I, I think that's a good point because I keep, I keep looking back on the early days of journalism actually less so probably on the early days from going from print to radio to television okay you know and that would have been kind of the world war 2 days you know the edward r murrow days 
I don't think these guys were sitting around uh, pontificating every single day about what they were doing. I mean, these, these were the shoe leather guys who went out, had a radio. I mean, radio. Radio was, was still pretty. It was like the Internet is today, right? You know, we're going to get, I mean, you know, it, it was it was pretty new technology, so to speak. And especially if you're a war correspondent and you're actually using radio as a war correspondent, you know. I mean, the, the technology was around for a while, but to me, historically, that seemed like a startup mentality. People hadn't thoroughly defined it yet. I guess perhaps it's this. In technology, there's always this idea of continual change and evolution, you know, it's it, mm-hmm. and for better or for worse. Uh, cult- I'm not saying culturally this is necessarily a good thing, but the way you move forward in technology is, you know, you eat eat the children and you you make the better better widget and you move on. It seems that journalism needs to evolve to that level. It, it seems like it stopped. It became stagnant. So so you have this this one level of journalism that 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 sits in. You know the the realm of academics, and then you have something that's labeled journalism that's a commercial product, which isn't journalism at all. And I, I don't. I mean, I completely agree with you, and I think that if you and Ron Buell, the guy who you know was the founder of this event, sat down and talked about journalism, you you guys would would mesh perfectly. In fact, I don't doubt it at all, you know. Um, it's the mindset uh, or it's the, the which camp do you fall into in terms of how to solve that. And I think the majority of the people at that, I don't know, I guess the way that I've made peace with that conference is that I looked at the other, I'm looking at the other people, you know, the other side of the room who weren't in that corner were you know very serious about some of the work that they were doing there, and saying you know what good luck you guys. Um, if you need help from the from these radical kids in the corner, come ask for it. Our paths, um, at least out of this conference, are not going to uh, over are not in the same direction. Well, I mean, and that may be really cynical, but I I just don't see a way to try and incorporate what was happening in the other parts of the room with what was happening with back in Twitter land or whatever you want to say. Well, yeah, and I was going to say when, when, when uh, a proposal comes up that, uh, Hey, we should start a, I don't know what it was, a nonprofit or for-profit cable news channel, a cable TV news channel that supports this. Everyone on Twitter was like, what? I mean, and I tweeted back. I said, "Hey, you should get uh, Paul Allen hooked up with that. He's got some." Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think that was around the time that one of the um, organizers said the phrase that uh, video is popular on the internet. Yeah, Um, yeah, I heard. I heard. I I, I think that really got. I I think Betsy was the one who pointed that one out. Um, I think that began to set the tone for the day. Yeah, I think it was, uh, uh, and there was a comment that they, we should start something on the web doing video on the web, and then we should move that into a cable news channel. It's like, 
Well, good luck with that because if you're successful with it on the web, you may rethink whether you're going to need to, you know, we're in a Let's build a car and then use that technology to make stone wheels. Exactly. It's exactly. It's the horse buggy. But you know, I like stone wheel. (laughs) Well, sorry. We'll jump in here. We we need to get what what's your take on all this? I mean you, you saw the tweets stream. You know my love. <laughs> I mean Yo. you you did some blog town stuff. I mean, what do you want from the news? What do you want to see from, from journalists? You I know? think that uh uh well um for one thing <clears throat> I think that uh I think that it's important to have uh, a, a concrete, much like there used to be, a concrete division between actual news, which should be dry and like a nonprofit source, uh, hopefully, and then uh, I think that uh, which we do have in a way with uh, some things like NPR and things like that. Um, but I think that there's, it's also important to have like a, a division between that and the opinion and the entertainment news, uh, which is what we have now is uh, entertainment posing as news. You have like Fox and all that stuff, and um, right. So, uh, and then you have a bunch of idiots who don't know the difference, and that uh, causes huge problems, and that's uh, that's caused a huge political split. I mean, it's it, it's there's always been a huge political split, but now it's it's uh, polarizing even more. I think the people in this country. So we have this. Uh, no matter uh, who's running the country, you have this uh, huge dissatisfied set who's going to cause problems because they've got they're being uh, rallied on by. Uh, an outlet pretending to be journalists. <laughs> well, so I mean, you, you, you were telling me in DM. You know, your your challenge is as well. You know that that people. You said that um, there's all these cool things that are going on on the web that you're connected mm-hmm. with, but people don't know about. Well, yeah, that's definitely another. Uh, well, another problem is, I mean, I think that that's really something that uh, the time is going to solve. And I think it's happening more and more that people are turning to the web for their entertainment. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the the mainstream media in doing uh, certain things is helping that by uh, trying to survive the way they are by putting up, uh, for example, like all the shows you can go to now, the Hulu and uh, right. uh, you like you can go and watch all the original Star Trek episodes online you know things like that that that's that's helping these people get more into the area of getting their media from the web and then um then they will eventually get around to looking at uh hopefully more more um freelance sources uh that's what one can hope but um well that's i think it is a question of accessibility then that's the tough challenge that's that's the challenge so you've got you've got the people who are making the media on the web that you know have a tough, tough road ahead, you know, to 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 get the word out, to get to get people, because it, it's still it's still new uh, I, to a lot of people. I think your two main things are uh, you have a um, you have an ignorance and you have uh, a uh, uh, lack of respect for the uh, medium. For example, uh, people have this idea that if uh, just because anybody can do it. And anybody can listen to it for free uh, gives it less legitimacy because you do have tons of people out there just throwing t- crap up, you know, on YouTube, for example, and well, things yeah. like that. But um, but there is good stuff out there, and that's what people need to realize. And they, if they can do, if they do a little legwork to go out there and find it and uh, actually 
take an active part in choosing their media instead of just expecting it to be hand-fed to them as they have with the TV for years, uh, then I think that uh, it would be more enriching for everybody. Well, that, that's I a- think that if... Go ahead. I just want to throw out and say, I think that if we lived in San Diego right now, we would be having a very different con- uh, conversation. The voice of San Diego gets brought up all the time as this, you know, kind of the the this wonderful site, you know, that we should all aspire to. But it's because they're a damn good site that, do, that focuses on investigative journalism, enterprise journalism. You know, they have a, a a huge staff, uh, or a huge staff. They have a decent staff. They also work with 40 to 50, a uh, pool of about 40 to 50 different freelancers um, doing hard news on, they, you know, they beat the daily newspaper down there all the time on stories. Uh, and I completely agree with you when, when you're saying, well, that, you know, people learning to shift the way that they consume news. But if you give them something to go to, you give them something like the Voice of San Diego, you know, that's going to, I think, help facilitate that shift. Absolutely. I think there should be, uh, I think that it will help if there are sources that can direct people to these, um, to like, like you know, directories of, of independent content, but then you have to get people to those directories too. So, Right, right. Well, I think, I think that that's what we don't have right now. I mean, I think we don't have a good, uh, we have uh, some very good uh, anchor blogs, but what we don't have is a good uh, point uh, to to. Nah, I, I want to say aggregate, but less of the kind of Google aggregator. I'm going to rip off your content type thing to more of a. This is the the launching point for for the content um, for multimedia content for journalism, and I think that that's. You know, again, we're we're so far removed from what was discussed at that conference, but I think that that's a bigger question, and that's what's not being thought about and what's not being discussed. And you know, in the back channel, I started working on some things to actually move that forward, to actually think about how can we move forward with launching that content. I, you know, it seems like. You know, when you go back to journalism and you say, my concept is a part-time journalist. And I know if you if I would have walked in and said that in this group, I may have get, gotten booed out of the room, I guess, because these are full-time <laughs> journalists, right? These are people who there make a There was a, a lot living. of freelancers there. There was a lot of freelancers good, there. Good, good. Because I, I mean, I, your freelancers are still full-time uh, in a sense, right? I mean, they're yeah. working full-time, but they're just freelance. Yeah, one of the panelists was Michelle Rafter, who's probably right. the right. who's you know has got the best freelancing blog out there. In right, my, in my <laughs> very biased opinion. Right, and she she uh, uh, she mentioned I, I mentioned something about corporate media and the fact that corporations with deep pockets can just come in and say, "Well, we're this is this is how we're going to message on the web, and we're going to hire journalists to do it." And I know of some examples that are happening there. And I said, that's, that's the future. Has anyone considered that? And she said, that's already happening. I'm, I'm doing that right now. And it's like, well, yeah, it was kind of a loaded question on Twitter. But, um, but I think that, you know, we're, we're looking to these larger entities. And one, one that kind of concerns me is the OPB entity. I'm not sure what their play is in all of this. 
Um, because every, it seemed like it always came back to, well, we'll, we'll, we'll start this nonprofit. It'll be media. We're going to go do a cable news channel eventually. And OPB is going to be our fund this or something. Can you explain to me what the thought process was there? Again, I, I saw this from quite a distance, but what were they talking about? Well, <laughs> I didn't really see it being problematic, but okay. uh, I had a couple people come in, and, and it ended up being, I think, a big issue. Um, just it surprised me. There was a couple people who came up to me during the conference and after the conference, uh, three separate people who said, oh, I what I think this whole conference was about was OPB, which OPB is in the middle of trying to do this big expansion um, to covering a lot more in Oregon. And these people said, oh, I think this whole conference was about OPB trying to listen to innovative ideas that we talk about and then rip them off and <laughs> do them on their own. Um, I've been I've been involved with the conference long enough to say I th- I'm, I'm very positive that wasn't the case from my perspective. I've, mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything like that. Um, but I think you've got a real problem on your hands when the people at your conference think that the, the sponsors are ripping off your ideas. Um, that's not just a PR problem. That's yeah. a, you know, that's a big problem. So I, in all honesty, and maybe I'm just being naive, I really believe that they were there because they were excited about other good quality media in Oregon and it, the, you know, th- that developing and growing. Um, I, that was my perspective, but that was not a perspective that was shared by everyone for sure. I just, yeah, I, again, I can envision, you know, a place and, and we'll have to check out the, the whole San Diego thing, but, uh, uh, envision a place that is, you know, a, a launching point on the web that you can go and find content, a syndicator, right? But it's not only that, but it's a self-help group. It's a, it's a, it's a idea. You know, it's like Abraham saying, "I want to do, you know, I want to do some web video or something like that," and. um and then someone steps in and says, "Well, l- let me help you out with that." You know, you want to. In a lot of ways, you're describing uh, PDX.fm there. To to a certain degree, to a certain degree, I, I'm thinking in, in the more nonprofit sense of the word, right. rather than the for profit. I, I think there's. I think there's. There should always be a hybrid model. I think that there should be uh, profitable ventures. And I think there should be non-profitable ventures. I think the non-profit is 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 the feeder, you know, to to, to all this. To uh, it's like the cable access of of the web, where well, you I go think especially out. Especially when it comes to news, um, you should have non-profit sources. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and that's uh, again. I mean, it, that doesn't mean that you don't feature uh, what's going on at PDX FM or in other places. Uh, you feature that prominently as well, but this is where someone says, "Hey, I've got a story to tell. I want to do this. You know, here's my barriers to entry. How do I get this done?" And then, or if I if I've com- got this done, how do I feature my YouTube video? How do I feature my blog or my content 
where I'm doing something here and you're partnering up with people, right? So you're featuring it and you're partnering up with people. I don't know if you're I mean you you're giving the perfect setup to a nonprofit here in town called Portland Media Lab. Right. That I've been involved with and right. so I'm a little biased about it, but they're it's um, run by a guy, um, Cornelia Swart, who's the publisher of the Portland Sentinel, and he's trying – the Portland Media Lab just incorporated on a state level. So they're on their way to becoming a 501c3, and they – and the, the end goal of that is to be something very similar to what you're describing, which is a training uh, – it, you know, working in conjunction with existing newsrooms – but bringing in not just bloggers, but quote-unquote traditional journalists and providing training for them. Say, okay, you want to learn how to do video. Well, here's how to do video. Let's, you're going to work on stories with us, and then we're going to take these stories, and they're going to be used you know, as an audio story, and you're going to use it on KVU. If it's a, in print, you know, something text, you know, you're going to use it in perhaps a, a variety of different you know, you know, existing news outlets. Um, so the end goal would be very, very similar to what you were saying with a, a very uh, news-specific. So it wouldn't be just general, anybody who wants to learn how to use video. It would be for, for uh, but it wouldn't just be, oh, we're training citizen journalists or, oh, we're only training people in existing newsrooms. It's bringing both of that together. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that. I guess that's the problem with the, with, with the journalism bent is you've got to be able to say, you know, you you've got to be able to cultivate people and let them grow. You know, when you when you kind of put the put the parameters around citizen journalism or something like that. I mean, some people don't even know that they're doing citizen journalism or that they're gonna they want to go in that direction. They just have a story to tell or they have something that they want to do in their neighborhood or somewhere, and 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 you've got to kind of open it up again, experiment with it. Um, it's a little open-ended and it's a little scary, and it and it also includes making sure you're you're highlighting what's going on, viably you know vi viable enterprises commercially, as well, you know kind of a kind of that mixture of of here's what's going on in media on the web, in Portland, um, whether it's journalism or it's it's uh it's commercial or or something else, but this is this is what's happening. In your city, um, I think the the big problem I have is when when things like this are, are started up. That there's a very the focus becomes very narrowed, which can be good. But I think in this, in what we're discussing in this media, we have to take the broadest scopes and let people. I, I the reason I say this is because I keep running across people who are like. You know what? I'm going to go out and do this. You know, I'm starting to film a documentary and I, I got equipment over here and I'm going to make this happen. And I think to myself, well, that's exactly the kind of person you want to pull into this, you know? And they may not know or they may not, you know, Portland Media Lab may not be the right fit. You just want to make it easy for them to come into this aggregation of, of, of what's going on. You know, it, it, on the web, in your city, in the media, in your city, you know, um, and that's the tough part. Uh, yeah, 
And I think that one of the things that was really missing from that conversation yesterday was the idea of partnerships. You know, oh yeah, sure, we we want to start up the new cool hot thing for Portland, but if we really want, you know, to support a a an investigative nonprofit, well, why aren't we talking about Investigate West out of Seattle, which is an investigative nonprofit up there who's just gotten a you know a, a nice this year fifty thousand dollar grant. Um, and they're going to start producing investigative journalism in the in the state of Washington. Um, I got to talk to the founder earlier this year, and she said they were very interested in extending their coverage eventually down to Portland. You know, so if we start, it's like you're saying, you know, what, you know, let's start thinking of ways to expand outside of necessarily. I, I keep coming back to this, you know, what, what happened on Saturday. So I'm putting in that perspective again. But if we're just thinking of like what's a new news organization we're going to create you know like you're saying why don't we think about this in terms of who we can be working with um well on i think a bunch of different levels yeah i think i i think the problem i the fundamental problem i'm having is it needs an injection of of the technology startup model so i see like the journalists going well let's do this let's create the, you know y you need a few folks in technology going well here's how it goes Oh yeah, you want to discuss that? Let's discuss that later. Let's let's move forward on this experiment and 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 hurry up. You know, you're already late. Um, I think that's my frustration with it is is coming from a technology background. Yeah, I just want to kick the ball down the field. You know, and let's let's well, let's see what happens. And I think part of that is that whole leadership thing I was talking about. I mean, there's a point in which we can all work collaboratively on something, but at some point in time, someone needs to stand up and say, okay, this is how we're going to get it done. And it's got to be somebody who understands that, that tech end of things. It can't be someone who sees technology as, oh, it's like a printing press. Exactly. You know, it's what we use. Good to, point. You know, when, it's like yeah, just a, a, yeah, a side, it's a, it's a piece piece of, of the solution. It's like, well, you know, it's the medium. And it's very much ingrained in, in, in what you're what what you're doing and, and and your culture is changing with the medium that you're using. Will I wanna ask you because I, I think this is a good you are you know, we earlier on we were talking about you are a media producer. You've done a lot of audio design, uh, both in San Francisco and here. You you have a lot of skills what do you need? What if if you just woke up one day, you know, you've you've done some internship with with Blogtown. What 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 would be your dream place to go and to work with your skills? Um, maybe to forward better journalism, or you know, what what are you looking for? What what help do you need? And what would you be looking for? And what skills would you gain back from that? Well, um, I think I'm a <laughs> – well, if you're talking about me, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a rare case. Like, I would be someone who would need uh, not necessarily the uh, access to uh, – I, I have the technology. I have okay. the technology, and I have okay. the skills to use it. What I don't have is um, if you were talking about what I could use to launch uh, – like, for example, I don't have a website for Seventh Planet Fixture Show yet because I don't have okay. uh, the resources to buy the domain and to buy the hosting. So when it comes to, like, me, what I need is uh, the two things that I could use are interns to help me manage the day-to-day uh, -day stuff and um, – um, 
the uh, monetary resources or hosting or uh, that sort of thing. So um, I think that uh, maybe uh, you, their nonprofit could provide some of those things, like the hosting, for example. Um, and what could you but, give back? Well, uh, a number of things. Uh, I could also help train other people, and uh, uh, I'll provide tech services for them. Um, there's a number of different things. You could, now, that's something uh, interesting you could get into if you were doing a nonprofit on this level. Um, you could do sort of a, a moderated bartering, I guess you would put it. I don't know. Uh, well, if you look at FreeGeek, their model, uh, they're a nonprofit, and they – uh, they operate on the idea that uh, computers should be accessible to everyone. Uh, not only do they have a community center where you can go and access computers on the Internet, if you go there and volunteer for 24 hours doing uh, some work that anybody can do, and if you uh, have any incapability, like uh, physically or whatever, they will do their best to help you uh, get it get it done and to be able to do this 24 hours. And then after you do that, you get a free computer and they will also even teach you how to build computers there, and you can take the six when you build them. So, uh, and to do that, in order to accomplish that, they have a variety of people there who have different skills. Uh, you know, some of them are, are regular interns, but also they have your, their volunteers who are working to get their 24 hours, like people who are helping to recycle the donations. There are uh, people who have gone through the build program who are build instructors who help teach people, and they're they're basically trading their skills for uh you know the benefits of the community and then you have uh you know the thrift store and all that stuff it's a it's a very uh for me it's been it's been uh an enormous help because uh i'm able to do things now like i have a, a media server set up in my house that uh you know i built myself because i was able to go and buy the parts for it for 50 bucks and it's a fairly decent computer um so there's things like that, yeah, and, and and by providing my skills in in the way uh, by providing my skills as a volunteer to them, I've gained, uh, for example, the ability to buy things at the thrift store cheaper. They give an eighty percent discount to volunteers. So things like that. I think that uh, uh, if you're talking about a nonprofit that's going to help facilitate, uh, and you know, not just journalism but media in general, independent media in general, then you have to uh, try to f schedule to get some kind of uh, uh, facilitated. Uh, trade of skills and resources and uh, but it also does you do need uh, strong leadership like like Abraham is saying I mean that's the thing is uh, the balance with a nonprofit is to try to get that strong leadership but to maintain impartiality and give everybody a voice and um, at, at free geek what the way what they do is they have a council that anybody can go to and after you go there a certain number of times you can even get a vote and things like that but there are also certain people who have been there core volunteers but anybody who really wants to have a part in it and is passionate about it can go there and help uh, you know contribute to uh, the policy or whatever and uh, so I, I mean it, it's, it's a tough thing you know it's just like organizing a government I mean you have to have uh, rules and structure and uh, to make sure things don't get out of control and all that stuff but yeah Essentially, I'm rambling. Yeah, but what it, you need is facilitation I, of of sharing of resources and and facilitating those resources being shared and uh, distributed. Well, uh, you're facilitating of resources, and your example I think was was dead on. The free geek example is is just a wonderful example of uh, both putting technology into the hands of people and and training them on the skills of technology as well with that technology mm -hmm. to actually build. Now, I'm not suggesting that we create a journalism lab where people build their own computers and that. Maybe they do. I don't know. But well, that example, that hands-on example, 
is is yeah. is is a is an excellent one. And free Greek, free geek. As, or free Greek, as I like to call it, from time to time. <laughs> you want some feta? No, that's, wow, that's racist. Okay. <laughs> uh, free, free Geek is 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 a is a, uh, is a very successful example. They've been around for quite some time. Um, Abraham, can you mash that up? Can you? You're familiar with the Free Geek example. Can you? Can you? Can you kind of mash up what we've done in technology with Free Geek uh, for uh, journalism and media in general? Well, I can go a couple different places. I'll I'll start off by saying that I think one of the most terrifying things for most journalists, even young journalists today, is the ability to give up the feeling that they are the 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 voice of authority when it comes to news and that the way that they see that the news should be disseminated is the is the right way and the best way. I, I have a hard time with that. I mean, I think that I'm somebody who gets it, and I have a really hard time on a very visceral gut level of being able to give up that level of control. Um, and and so when you open up the management model like that, it's just ter- – it, it must be done, absolutely, uh, and it's terrifying Stephen Smith was the um, opening speaker, the keynote speaker for the conference, and he got a lot of shit online um, for some of what he was talking about. And, and I, I actually really like him, and, and I agreed with um, a lot of what he said, more than most people did, it seemed like. Um, but he did a, a – and I think we may have talked about this the last time I was talking on, on – the last time I, I was talking with you, Mike, that, that – all of these transparency things with the newsroom that he worked at in Spokane of doing opening up the, the top at level editorial meetings um, to uh, on um, he, he was streaming them on the web and having live chat. So as the newspaper made the decisions for the next days how it was going to cover the news, the public had complete access um, and it was an open conversation with them and opening up meetings to you know staff meetings to the public and you know it was. It was crazy stuff. This is back in like 2006, um, 2005. I mean, he was really looking at that idea of where when we, you know, the the free geek model of being, of, you know, of opening up the the decision making process to to a larger audience than just these, you know, whatever core group would be usually guiding it um, is really powerful. And yeah, it has to be done. And you know, yeah, it just has to be done. Well, and for me, I think what speaks to me about the free geek model is empowering anyone with the tools, whether it's the empowering a, a journalist who's been in journalism for a long time with the tools of technology to, uh, to do their reporting, right. to tell their stories, or it's empowering a technologist, someone from technology to learn more about journalism and and I think in, storytelling in, in, in your media you're going to have uh, a division too. I mean, you're going to have people, especially in media, who don't necessarily um, who don't have the talent or don't want to learn about the tech side and uh, don't really have any interest in it, and you know, vice versa. And I think that uh, another thing that that nonprofit could do is. Uh, uh, kind of like uh, what uh, PDX.FM is doing is uh, providing a, an ability, uh, a place for people to go and say, "Well, I don't, 
I'm not interested in the tech side. I don't know anything about it, but I still want to get into this whole independent uh, broadcast thing that uh, podcasting has provided. Um, because up until now, uh, mostly what you've got in your um, independent podcasters are people who have the 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 uh, unique combination of uh, being able to not unique uh, the combination of being able to have that those tech skills uh, skills to put on a show and the uh, the ability to the the internet savvy to even know that the stuff is there in the first place and so uh, to get a good shows that's a rare combination. So right. if you provide those those uh, those uh, resources and uh, you have people there who are providing their tech skills to people who don't uh, necessarily uh, know how to do that and are are um, aren't even interested in it, then you're giving them the chance to have uh, a voice too in this in this area where they wouldn't necessarily be able to do it. Abraham, any closing thoughts? You know, I think that we. You know, the to go back to the same you know description or metaphor, whatever that's been used to describe the division in the we make the media conference. You know, those of us back in that corner. You know, those of us who are on Twitter. You know, those of us who felt like there was just a huge between us and the rest of the room. Um, I think it really behooves us going forward to think about. Um, if you were to ask me right now, what was, hey, I, I want to go out and support some really cool aspect of local media that's really doing something like Free Geek. Um, you know, I've got my favorite example, which is Portland Media Lab. But how many other examples can I give? That There's not a lot out there. There's some great, um, you know, you know, blogs are doing great journalism. Everybody from, you know, cooking up a story to, you know, Silicon Florist or whoever. Um, but who's actually playing this role that we're talking about tonight of the group that that provides the training or you know is the facilitator or helps bridge um, these gaps and there's not a lot of them out there and so us the, you know folks that were in that corner and you know the larger tech um, and tech journalism community um, you know that's I think our our challenge got got handed to us on Saturday um, of what, you know, of what needs to be done locally um, for journalism. Um, and it's not to start off with this giant vision of, oh, we're going to save all of journalism um, through a new, you know, nonprofit. No, it's to start looking more locally and smaller um, mm -hmm. and, and try to find those answers. And I, I don't know what those answers will be, but I think that it's... We're, we're the people who are the best suited to make it happen. I mean, to, you know, I know I'm sounding a little cocky, but, you know, Mike, like you're saying, we're the people who get startup, um, that startup mentality. We're the people who get the technology. We're the people who get the stuff that's actually being done out there right now. Um, we don't just sit around and have planning meetings. So, you know, it's, it's up to us to get out there and, and make some kind of change. Well, and I think with yes. that... It's time to wrap up. Uh, it's been great to have uh, Will Raddick with me. Yo. With your Raddickast. <laughs> and uh, also, great to be here. wonderful to have Abraham Hyatt come back in for some more torture and pain <laughs> and humiliation. But we love him. 
and uh, well, th- thank both of you guys. That was a great conversation. I really had a good time. Uh, guys, uh, do me a favor and both stay on the line after I close the show. I need to talk to you guys about uh, something secret. Using the secret oh, hashtag. Not really secret, guys. Not really secret. So hang on the line. I'm Doc Normal. This has been a Crazy Talk for Sunday, the 22nd. We're talking media. We're talking journalism. That's how we do it here. My summation, what I think, is I think we're going to have pockets of people doing a lot of cool things in Portland. And then we're going to have to figure out how to put it all together. And that's what's going to happen. Thank you all for joining me. I do appreciate it. Good night, everybody. <laughs>